Good morning on this October 2nd, 2020, for another episode of Maybe a Good Time to Listen. This episode is called The War Is On. The War Is On. It's uh, kind of cloudy outside, well, kind of raining. Alright, let's get started, get right into it. The war is on. Mm -hmm. About 35 years ago, there was a gospel song called There's a War Going On. And one part of the lyrics says, If you're going to win, you better make sure you have Jesus deep down within. It goes on to explain that in essence, it's not a flesh and blood fight that can be won by bullets and guns. The song was based on Ephesians 6, chapter 6, verses 10 to 17. And it's so true. This is a spiritual battle. You need spiritual eyes and ears to understand it. But you don't have to be spiritual to see that if you look hard enough, you begin to understand that people who are divided simply don't understand each other. One side thinks that everyone on the other side is evil and needs to join their side or be eradicated. Doesn't sound like America, sounds like the Middle East. Then the other side sees them as a threat. Well, come to think of it, they both see each other as, as a threat. So that breeds paranoia, conspiracy theories, and the notion that whatever crosses their mind to their liking must be the unadulterated truth. This increases hate and it keeps growing. The war seems totally physical, but it's not. I gotta get ready. Alright, for example, we got blacks against the police and whites. So blacks against the police and whites, and vice versa. Sounds physical. The far left against the far right. Sounds physical. Climate change. It sounds physical. The haves and the have-nots. It sounds physical. Excuse me for you and I took some melatonin last night. I guess it's not aware. Didn't know where of yet. Romans chapter 13. Verse 1 to 2 for the NIV. They might not like the way this sounds, but I'll try to explain it. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Now, okay, read this. Wait a minute. Now, before you start thinking that God put bad cops on the force, no, he didn't. The original idea of governing authority was established way back in history 
before we, we were even born. So God set it up to be so. Somebody was needed to keep folks in line. You can't have folks around all of us doing whatever they wanted to do. There's confusion. Chaos. So if now bad folks have guns, that's on them. It's not God's fault or the Bible's fault. Bad politicians in the House and in the Senate, that's on them. It's not God's fault or the Bible's fault. The devil's people try to sneak in wherever they can. Whether it's the police department, the White House, your job, your home, your kids' schools. The war is on. But it's not those people in those areas that are your enemy. You gotta remember that. It's easy to be angry at them and yell at them because you can see them. Now, Jeremiah chapter 34, verses 8 to 11 from NIV. The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord after King Zedekiah had made a covenant with all the people in Jerusalem to proclaim freedom for the slaves. Everyone was to free their Hebrew slaves, both male and female. No one was to hold to a fellow, no one was to hold a fellow slave, or a fellow Hebrew rather, in bondage. So all the officials and people who entered into this covenant agreed that they would free their male and female slaves and no longer hold them in bondage. They agreed and set them free. But afterward, they changed their minds and took back the slaves they had freed and enslaved them again. Now, I want you to understand something. Slaves in biblical times, if they did it God's way, were treated better than how we think of black slavery. They can't even be compared to each other. Example, I want to read from Deuteronomy. Oh, come on, get off the screen. I'm going to read from Deuteronomy 15, verses 12 to 18. If any of you, if any of your people, Hebrew men or women, sell themselves to you as servants and serve six years, in the seventh year you must let them go free. And when you release them, do not send them away empty-handed. Already you know this doesn't sound <laughs> like black slavery. All right. Verse 14 goes on. Supply them liberally from your flock, your threshing floor, and your wine press. So from your flock, you're going to give them meat. Your threshing floor is your wheat. So they got meat, they got grain, and your wine press, and they have something to drink. Give them as the Lord your God has blessed you. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I give you this command today. But if your servant says to you, I do not want to leave because he loved you and your family and is well off with you, then take an all and push it through his earlobe into the door. Ouch. And he will become your servant for life. Do the same 
for your female servant. Do not consider it a hardship to set your servant free because their service to you these six years has been worth twice as much as that of a hired hand. And the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. Now like all, that, that's bigger than a, a earring, but it's the same concept. You're pushing something through the earlobe. And remember, there was no anesthesia. So you're pushing it through the earlobe. Now I remember, I think, I don't know how many years ago, but when men started getting their ears pierced, it was like, yeah, that means I'm nobody's slave. Actually, that's what, exactly what it means. Which you're, but I didn't even use the word slave. It, it says the word servant, which is different. Okay. I think I want to read that one more time because that sounds really interesting. Just to show you the difference between the way we think of slavery and the way God had ordained it. You say, why is there a slave? Well, there's always been slaves, but there's been a difference. See, if we're going to base everything off of 15, 1600, and 17, and 1800s, we're missing the point. Way before that started, there was things that happened. All right, once again, Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 12 to 18. If any of your people, Hebrew men or women, sell themselves to you as servants and serve six years. So not only, so if you had bills and debts, you could sell yourself out as a servant. You can sell yourself out as a servant. They didn't have to take you and put you in chains and whip you and do all those kind of stuff. You went to them yourself because you need help. Like being a domestic. All right. If any of your people, Hebrew men or women, sell themselves to you as servants and serve six years, in the seventh year you must let them go free. And when you release them, do not send them away empty-handed. Supply them from your flock, your threshing floor, and your wine press. Once again, so give them some meat, some grain, and something to drink. Give them as the Lord your God has blessed you. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I give you this command today. But if your servant says to you, I do not want to leave you, because he loved you and your family and is well off with you, then take it all and push it through his earlobe into the door, and he will become your servant for life. Do the same for your female servant. Do not consider it a hardship to set your servant free. Because their service to you these, these six years has been worth twice as much as that of a hired hand. And the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. So I think it was important to bring it out. Now another thing I said back then was the far right against the far left. All right, this is St. Luke chapter 13, verse 1 to 5 from the NIV. Now, trying to make this not political, like I said, I'm a third voice out here. But I'm just trying to say these people are arguing about, no, my way is right. No, my, and then the other person goes, no, my way is right. 
Well, here's the bottom line for both for both ties. St. Luke chapter 13, verse 1 to 5, from the NIV. Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they are more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. So people can throw stones at each other, but the bottom line is if you <laughs> if you don't repent, you're gonna be lost. Another one I said was climate change that you think might be physical. Alright, here's Romans chapter 8, verse 20 to 22 from the NIV. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. You say, what is that saying? What does that mean? Well, the creation itself, nature itself, is in bondage to decay. So it's going to decay anyway. This world, everything you say, well, look, the climate is changing, there's global warming, the ice caps are melting and the icebergs are melting and this and that and oceans are rising because it's set to decay. Creation itself, nature, the things you see around here, they're waiting for the glory of the children of God. In other words, they're waiting for Jesus to come back and for all of this to be over. And we say we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Sure has. It's more prevalent now. When I say global warming, ice caps melting, etc., etc. Oceans getting higher. It's all falling apart. It's supposed to. So creation itself is crying out. So don't forget this. So people running around talking about, we gotta save the planet. Uh, you're too late. People say, oh, we got another 10 years. No, no, you're too late. It's already been decaying as you speak. It's just been getting worse, and we just have noticed it more in the last 20 years. But it's always been decaying. All right? The haves and the have-nots. Hmm. James chapter 5, verse 1 to 6 from the NIV. Now listen, you rich people, weep and well because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted, and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you, and eat your flesh and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in these last days. Look. 
The wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in their slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who are not opposing you. See, that's why I really wish a lot of people would open their bowels sometimes and see that it's not as against them and as far-fetched as they think. If they're being oppressed, God doesn't want you to be oppressed. If you're being cheated, God doesn't want you to be cheated. But so many people now, they're trying to run to people, especially to young people in advance, and try to tell them, oh, the Bible's dangerous. Oh, stay away from the Bible. No, that's exactly where you should be running to. You'd be surprised what you find if you read sometimes. All right. This war looks like it's between two political parties, but it's not. It looks like it's between blacks and whites, but it's not. It looks like it's about gender equality, but it's not. It looks like it's, it looks like it's between the police and all minorities, but it's not. As many seasoned saints look at things, we see folks grabbing at these things, trying to defend their side. Hmm. <clears throat> And we know these folks are playing a shell game with Satan, unknowingly. You know, the shell game, the old famous shell game, like find the ball under the cup. All right, as the cups get moved around and then stop, Satan says, okay, where's the little ball? And then we say, under that one, a box of police and ice. He lifts it up, no ball. He scrambles the cups again and stops. Where's the ball, he asks. We go, under that one. Trump is my hero. Lifts it up, no ball. Once again, Satan scrambles the cups and stops. Where's the little ball? Under that one. We have less than 10 years to save the planet. Lifts up the cup, no ball. Where is that ball? Well, Satan doesn't have it. God does and is not in the shell game at all. Since the ball carries the answer for America and the world, what's it all about? Well, here's bottom line. To the unsaved, it's about surrender. Surrender yourself to the Lord. He loves you. I'm not saying that as a command. I'm saying this as a plea. This is what God, hallelujah, this is what God wants us to do. If you're not saved, surrender to him. If many of you are a sinner, that you've broken his commandments all through your life. Because everybody, everybody is born in sin and shaped in iniquity. We have to be changed. Next thing to unsaved is repentance. You have to turn away from your sin. It doesn't just mean saying, I'm sorry. Means turn away from it and not walk in that direction anymore. 180 degrees. And of course, it means accepting what Jesus did on the cross as being true. So just think it's just 
fake history and it didn't happen and all stuff. You believe all that other stuff you can't see, you can't prove. But how come they want to shoot down Jesus so bad? There's a whole lot of other things we believe in that we know we can't prove. But we say, oh, I believe that. Why? Because we think it's logical. And we say that what Jesus did is not logical. If he died, it should be it. It can't be that God raised him from the dead. That's impossible. No, say, you can't think of it in your logical brain. If you try and make, if you try and make the Bible to be true through the third dimension, which is what we live in, through your logical brain, it's not gonna work. God's in another dimension altogether. He can do whatever he wants. Now, to the saved, we shouldn't even be involved in the shell game. Period. That's the wrong focus. Look, saints. We're in a war whether we like it or not. Even though many things are not in the usual houses of worship right now, if they have services online, they're probably getting more people watching now than they did having people grace their doors in person when it was church as usual. See, even though it may be uncomfortable for us, God's working it out. So to a lot of us, even though things are rough, God wants us to look at any good that we know Him doing. I know this podcast sounds political. I assure you it's not. This is a third voice telling you that people are looking in all the wrong directions. Unless they're looking up. If you say to yourself, well, that's one man's opinion, Know two things. This is not an opinion. And number two, just keep living. Many will ignore and call this just one man view of end times. Listen, I don't try to prove anything. I just put it out there. Now, weigh it against the Bible's prophecy, what you believe, and see if you and the Bible coincide. There's a war going on. And if you're going to win, you better make sure you have Jesus deep down within. This battle can't be won with bullets and guns. Because the enemy you cannot see, the human faculties. <laughs>